0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So today uh, we are gonna kind of spend quite a bit of time on the uh, maybe the first point in your bulletin and then we're kind of... Quickly go through the last three points together, Um, but uh, because I I think that the kind of the first section of today's scripture is um, a little bit worth spending uh, quite a bit of our time on this morning, and so um, let's let's dive right on into it. But the first thing that I want to do to you do with you is uh, we've been reading through Acts, and just let you know last week was the halfway point. Okay, so a lot of you are like, "Man, is this ever going to get done?" Hey, we are over. The hill, and we're going on the other side. But uh, the whole entire book of Acts is based on one verse. And I, and I really do believe that is because it sets up what we're trying to accomplish in terms of God setting up the church and how the church functions in, uh, in setting it up. And it's found in Acts chapter one eight. and this is what it says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts is built around this, that the church will be God's witness. And so as we've been looking at how God has set up the church, we've been also looking at how God has set up our church as well and what we are doing inside of it. And so last week, we actually got to look at um, the conflict with, uh, within your church and how are we going to grow through the conflict if there is. And today actually um, is interesting. It's going to talk a little bit, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what about the conflict in our own personal lives with one another. And so um, we... I'm really looking forward to it, and I love how Acts just kind of goes right into, it; just flows really well. And so I've been enjoying this. Um, But the one thing that I need to tell you is this, is that I hate conflict. I am a pushover right? I don't like getting, I, I don't, I, I just hate conflict. I have the hardest time with it. My hands get super sweaty, right? And I'm like, well, what if I'm wrong? Or what if that person doesn't like me? Or all of that sort of stuff. And so last night um, in my house, I had conflict, right? Um, and so, uh, and I'll tell you one other thing that I really hate. I hate when my wife is right, Because it's 100% of the time. There are those times. I love, uh, do you guys ever remember the show, Everybody Loves Raymond? Do you guys remember that show? So there was a time when him and his wife were in conflict together. And it it turned out that he was right. Right? And he just like got super excited. At the end of the show, he comes up to her and uh, says, says, hey, hey, what just happened? And she was like, she was like, you were right. You were right. And Raymond looks at her and goes, no, no. But more importantly, but more importantly, and she's like, you were right. And he's like, no, no. But more importantly, and she's like, I was wrong. And so I, I relish the times when I get to do that with my wife, right? She just looks at me and is like, I was wrong. But one of the things that I, I think is interesting about this is, when we, come to, when we come to looking at conflict, why does it have to be when one person is right or when one person is wrong? What if we can come to a conflict and go, maybe I'm not looking at this the same way. There is a, uh, I completely forget his name, but there is a... Uh, there's a sermon that I give out to a lot of people that come into my office and it, and it talks about what if you started every single conversation or conflict with your spouse or in some sort of relationship assuming that the other person is right. What if every single conversation you came up with, with your spouse, with your friends, with your brothers, sisters, and you came to it and said, no, what if they're right? What if when they come to us, they say, well, you never do this, and then you go, and then you throw up your hands and go, no, I, and defend, instead of going, hey, you might be right about that. You might be right about that. Let's talk about this a little bit more. But instead, we want to defend our attitude, right, or we want to defend our stance, or we want to, we want to somehow inside of us be right. But is that the whole intent and purpose? Is being right the tantamount uh, tantamount thing in our lives or is it moving our relationship forward? And so today we dive right on into where uh, there is a little bit of conflict, kind of the first conflict we, we really see between two people, two Christians that we would say are amazing people. There's, a, there's another phrase that um, we use, and I talked about this last week, that we're all good-willed people. We don't wake up in the morning deciding that we're going to ruin all the relationships around us. There are some of you in this room might, that might look at somebody you know and go, no, that's not a good-willed person. I'm telling you, nobody wakes up in the day to go, I am going to ruin this person's life. And so before we get into that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we open up your word this morning, God, would it speak to us? Would our hearts be willing to allow your spirit to dive in, to direct, to show us where we are or we are wrong? Because God, you are the only person who can claim to be right. So God, we want to fall under your authority. We want to fall under your grace. And we want to say that, God, you are our savior and you are our Lord, and we submit to you. In your name we pray, amen. Right away we find in Acts chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 36, and we're going to go to 41, and it says this, it says, and if you don't have your Bibles, by the way, it'll be on the side screen. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas as he left, and the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the church there. So right away, we just see that Paul and Barnabas, after after have spending some time in their first ministry trip, right, where there's, there's actually been really about a chapter here, but in terms of genealogy, this is five years. They have not been back to the churches for five years, and so when from at the end of verse 14, from when Paul and Barnabas get back to Antioch, it is, it is five whole years, and now they've decided, let's go back and see what's happening see what's going on. This is a good thing. We are going to go back to these churches, see how God is growing them, see what we've done. And also, they have a message to share, right? They've been, they just got out of a huge council in Jerusalem to say, hey, the message is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is no sort of ritual law that you have to now do. Circumcision is not something that is mandatory, It is by the grace of God that you are accepted into a relationship with God. There is no longer a huge chasm. You don't have to do anything. God has bridged the gap. This is a good thing. And it's a great thing because Paul and Barnabas already had a lot of great success. Why not take those two who have already built relationships and let them go? And so we have a good thing going. And then conflict strikes. Two great people, two men of God, can't find common ground over one person. Paul says, I can't trust John Mark. He can't come with us. He's not trusted, so he's dead to me, right? I don't know if John, or I don't know if Paul said that because we know some other things about Paul later on. And Barnabas, who happens to be the cousin of John Mark, okay, cousin of John Mark, says, no, we should really take him. He'll really help us. This sharp disagreement that it talks about is literally in the Bible where it talks about they cannot stand to talk about it with one another. How many of you guys, just think about this, who have had a conflict, still can't even be in the room with maybe somebody that you've had a conflict with? It's that sort of anger that sort of frustration that no, you're not listening to me. Paul might say, no, I'm right, I know people. He deserted us, we're done. Barnabas is like, everybody deserves a second chance. Remember Paul, I came and got you and now you need to, and I came and got you from Tarsus, so hey, remember, let's go, let's give people second chances. And Paul, once again, no, I've seen him, I I know what he's like, nobody changes. He's just going to desert us at the second moment something hard happens. Barnabas, no, let's teach him. Let's guide him, direct him. He's just really young. Come on, let's do this with him. He's been babied all of his life. He's rich, right? I don't know. We don't know the whole fight, but one of the things we do know is that it is so passionate that these guys no longer do ministry with each other ever again. They have love for one another, we find out later on in scriptures. They do kind of, uh, they, they do kind of uh, still see each other as spiritual people, but they never do ministry together again. The dream team of Barnabas and Paul is now done. I just want you to think about what conflict you have in your life right now. Conflict in which you've been maybe standing your ground or maybe you've been looking at other people that have maybe caused you grief and you're just like, I want nothing to do with them. Maybe somebody has something against you right now. And you feel like you've been slandered, and you feel like you've been beat up, and they're not hearing your side whatsoever, and you're trying to hold your ground, but yet they're not looking at your side of the story, and you're not even close to looking at their side of the story. What do you do then? What do you do when you know that somebody is holding such a grudge that you're just like, come on, get rid of it? Or what do you do when you're holding the grudge so hard that you need to go, I need to be done with this? So if you're taking notes, here's the very first step in conflict. This is our main goal, even in the middle of conflict, is to make much of Christ, is to make much of Christ. And what I mean by that is, are you seeking in all of your conflicts to make sure that Christ is glorified above all else? Are you trying to be right? Are you not allowing the forgiveness of God to work through you? Are you not allowing people, the forgiveness of other people to uh, be put upon you? And so you're just like, I don't want to listen to it. The beautiful thing about this is that Barnabas goes his own separate way with John Mark, and guess what? They do have a great ministry in Jesus Christ. They are constantly talking about the gospel with people and sharing a relationship with God with them, and they do have an amazing ministry. In fact, if you don't know this, uh, John Mark actually becomes a uh, a writer for Peter. He writes the book. Uh, He helps write the letters from Peter. He actually also helps Paul write his letters. John Mark wrote the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, which is a fantastic read if you haven't read it all the way through. 16 chapters, super fast, reads like a novel, bam, 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 bam. He just says it like it is. Here's, Here's what happens. Even later on, Paul says John Mark is a great help to the ministry in 1 First, in First Timothy. And so we know that later on, it, he goes to have a great ministry. But what would have happened if Paul and Barnabas would have just separated and gone, no, we're done, we're done. God isn't blessing any of this. We're done. I don't I I'm just going to be bitter and stay here entrenched. The gospel wouldn't have been preached. People wouldn't have been saved. Nobody sees the witness of either of them. Their witness would have been, man, guess look at them. They can't even they can't even sort out their own stuff. But their witness is much more important than their stance. We want Jesus to be glorified no matter what. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says something pretty interesting that uh, I really like. And it's not on the screens, and so I'll read it to you. Paul later on says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too I have a feeling that in this moment that Paul starts to learn that yes man I wanted to be right but more importantly I want to think about others first I want God to be glorified and so in the midst of conflict would you please look first to how are we glorifying Jesus There's a couple other things that you can do. The first one is, is pray for your ability to see the other side of things. God, would you, maybe I'm wrong, Lord. Would you show me, would you give me the ability to see the other side? Can I look at both sides and be discerning? Jesus says it even. He says, hey, instead of looking at the log in somebody else's eye, why don't you look at the speck in your own eye? Maybe the next thing is this, is that we need to look at, hey, is there a compromise here? Is there a compromise? Our relationship is more important than me being right or wrong. Is there a compromise that can be brought? And the last one is this. Is when you can't see both sides and there is no compromise, do not give up. Do not give up. Keep seeking unity. It doesn't mean that you keep on berating and going to them over and over again and saying, no, you need to see it my way, you need to see it my way. But it is, God, I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to be fervently praying about this. I'm going to continually bring this to you over and over again and, and ask that your Holy Spirit would open up ways in which I can now talk about this. There are some of you in this room that maybe have children or friends that still don't know Jesus and you've tried to talk to them a thousand times about Christ and they say, I don't want anything with it. I don't want anything to do with it. That's your own religion. Keep me out of this. Don't stop praying for them. Be praying for other people to come alongside and say, God, would you show yourself to them? There are some of you who haven't reconciled with uh, your parents or your children or your spouse for a really long time. Maybe you need to go to them and say, I am sorry. God has shown me where I have been wrong. Last night, I tried something like this. I, I went to my wife and I said, you're always right, but I never asked for forgiveness from her. I never said sorry. I wanted it to be about just making her feel better about being right, which I don't know if is a huge heart change, but don't give up. Seek unity with one another. Continue to glorify Christ in everything you do. So these friends split. They can't reach an agreement, but they don't stop in following God and what God has asked them to do. And so Paul goes on to his ministry, and this is where we really don't hear of Barnabas ever again. I know that at some point they came back together, but there is still a kingdom to be fought for. And this is where Acts turns a little bit and says, all right, now we start the ministry of Paul and where, he's, where he started taking the church. And so let's read Acts chapter 16, verses one through five together, and it says this. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the the churches were strengthened in their faith. And they grew larger every day. If you're taking notes, I just want you to, uh, I want you to fill in those blanks. God brings beauty from ashes. I find this beautiful because in the midst of conflict, Paul could have gone, maybe God's not with me. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe what's going on? And he goes right back to the place where, this is is unbelievable to me, he goes right back to the place in Lystra and Iconium where he was beaten, he was whipped, and he was left for dead. The place where he not only had, well, he had conflict with the people there. And he finds this young guy named Timothy in the midst of the place in which he was beaten and left for dead, And we know that Timothy becomes a great leader in the kingdom of God and he sets up the church and he runs the church and we have two amazing letters in Timothy where we get church doctrine from and where we see that, man, scripture is important, follow scripture, and where we see that it says, hey, don't let people look down upon you because you're young, keep doing what God is asking you to do. Paul doesn't let the conflict stop his life. He sits there and goes, God, what are you leading me to? He didn't start asking a whole bunch of questions or, God, are you even with me? No, he just sees that, no, the most important is that the church grows stronger. And as the church grew stronger in their wisdom of Christ, check what happens. The body grows bigger every day. People are coming to Christ because, man, we need to make much of Christ at all points. But we need to leave God to allow him to do the beauty in our wrecked lives. That doesn't stop there because his whole point is to continue the journey that he did. And so in chapter, uh, verses 6 and 7, he says, Next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of uh, Frey. Oh my goodness, I had this earlier... Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the border of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Great point here. We make our plans, but God directs our steps. Can you, can you imagine this too? This is what I kept on thinking as I was reading this. You just get done with a huge conflict. You go on this journey. You're seeing God like, wow, the place in which things were happening uh, well, where, where it was huge conflict for me. Man, look, I meet Timothy, and he is growing. But then... We keep getting stuck after stuck after stuck. And he didn't say, oh my goodness, God, you're just, you, everywhere I go, every turn, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was, maybe I was the problem. No, he just keeps on going, no, I know this is where God has me. I know this is where God is taking me. Because he felt like this is the best place to go. If I go to Asia and go during these things. Now, just to let you know, Asia is not where you think Asia is. Okay, Asia is uh, in this scripture. Asia is where now Turkey is. Okay, Um, And so the whole entire thing of why he's going here is also because Rome has made huge roads. It's safe to travel through all of these colonies to get back to where he's going. And God doesn't let him go there. We do find out that later on that the, uh, the gospel of Christ gets there, but not at this point. God doesn't want him there right now. But it, wouldn't it be interesting if Paul played the victim here, like a lot of us do? God, why are you doing this to me? Well, what if this would have happened, God? What if I would have done this? Then this could have happened. Paul doesn't quit and go home. Well, I guess I can't go there. No, Paul says, God has called me to be a witness, so where am I going? In fact, actually, later on, Paul says, I press on towards the goal in which God has called me heavenwards. I wonder in your life right now, What is the goal that you know that God has called you towards? Or are you walking around aimlessly? Maybe today God is saying, "My goal is that man, would you please shore up your relationships with people?" These conflicts that you've had going on or this bitterness that you're holding on to, would you would you let it go? And then make your plans and allow God to direct Your steps. Because in the midst of him not being able to do what he wants to do, all of a sudden, something happens. In verse 9, it says that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with them. Sorry, I need to go back for a second. My fault. Verse 8, so instead they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. There's a lot going on in that one, those three verses right there. The first of all is this. Did you notice it now says we, right? This is when the author of Luke, of Acts comes into play. Luke has been found in Choaz. because God keeps on pushing them somewhere else and going, no, go over here. And so now because God pushes Paul and Silas, and Timothy to go to Troas, we find Luke, and now the book of Luke is written, and the book of Acts is now written, all because Luke comes on the scene, and Luke is a doctor, and so some people would say that, hey, uh, the reason why they weren't able to go to all these places is because Paul was sick, and so he needed a doctor. Maybe he did, but my point is, is that Paul knew that God's ways are better than our ways. So, your last point is man, God knows this, that God's ways are better than our ways. And so, if we keep going where God is calling us to, everything will align. And so, even in these few verses that we've just read from verses 1536 to 1610, we start to see that God's ways are so much better than our ways. God's timing is perfect. Dead ends are never a mistake with God, only opportunities to watch him work. And once again, it comes back to this, is that ours is only to make much of Christ. Even in conflict and our lives, everything that we need to do is to continually point to Jesus and go, this is the greatest calling of our lives. And so when they are in the midst of conflict, we say, God, where are you at in this and how can we glorify you in the midst of our lives when everything is going well or not going well? No, God, I want your glory to be far better than mine. God, I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't want my pride to well up and I don't want anything to be of me. I want everything to be of you. And one of the biggest opportunities And history now opens up. Paul gets to preach in Europe. And this is where, really, it takes off in the Gentile world. There is, in Paul one of Paul's first places he goes, there is no Jewish synagogue. There is nothing. These people don't really know anything about the Jewish tradition or about what's happening, what happened in Jerusalem. This is brand new, and so God is... God is just extending his kingdom even further. This is unbelievable to me that in these few verses we see, once again, that our witness is huge. Our witness in conflict, our witness in, God, I thought this is what you wanted us to do, to joy, just going, no, this is all about Christ and nothing about me. And so in the conflict that you might have in your life right now or the just day-to-day stuff that is in your life, would you please make everything about Jesus and nothing about yourself? Would you start every conversation with what if the other person is right? Maybe they're right. Because I think God will bring beauty from the ashes, that when we start to make our plans, he just continues to direct our steps. And that every time we have the hardest time with what's going on, we can always know that God's ways are better than our ways. I this morning, in closing, just about that, that God's, God's ways are way better than ours. Take the opportunity to give God and say God this is you I want you to take it I want to make much of you and walk in that this week as you go hey God would we make much of you so that in every situation we know that our eyes are pointed towards you and that you are everything and God because of that you move us and we can allow you to work through our lives Help us to be real about our sins, Lord, and and ask for forgiveness and turn and trust you to be our Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Love you all. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.